I really wanted to kick off this series, really, really wanted to kick it off with a big old carrot that would just gnaw the whole time, but I, I, the, the team said, no, you can't, you can't do the carrot thing. I really want to. We're, we're kicking off a new series. Three weeks, we're going to be talking about the things that we chase. So too often in our culture and even as we're growing up, uh, you know, we, we're chasing things in life all the time. And it could be for you, you've been you're chasing the career carrot for a while. Or maybe it's that, making sure you have enough in retirement. You're chasing that carrot. Or it could be that you're chasing you know, the, the accolades in your career. Or you're chasing the next relationship or the next house or material thing. We chase things all the time. But too often, the things that we chase over-promise and under-deliver. That we end up chasing things that sometimes hurt us. And it's not like those things that I just listed are bad things, but when they consume us, we find that even if we get that next thing, we're, we're, we're empty. What's the old adage about how much money you need to be happy? One more, one more dollar, right? We're, we're pursuing things all the time, and sometimes we find too often that it never really satisfies us. We end up chasing carrots. It's like we're on this treadmill. And then the culture doesn't make it any easier for us. We're bombarded all the time and we're marketed to. We need this next thing. You'll be happy if you get this or that. And we're always chasing things that never, never seem to satisfy. And Pastor Ben, I'm glad you're here today. If this is your first Sunday, welcome. It is awesome that you're here with us, uh, whether that be in person or online. We see you. Glad you're here. Self-identify. Let us know you're here. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray with you. But we gather on Sundays, the first day of the week. It's kind of that moment where we can take a deep breath. You can do that. Let it out, right? We say, I guess, that there's some, some health benefits to that. We reset and we meet on Sundays. Why do we meet on Sundays? Because about 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus of Nazareth was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, miracles, but then suffered and died on a cross, but on a Sunday, the third day, he rose from the dead and changed human history forever. And that's why we're meeting on Sundays, like Christ followers all over the globe right now. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. And today, my hope is we will begin to start pursuing the things that are, are, are going to be satisfying, truly satisfying, and stopping chasing things that, that aren't helpful. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way. We're here today, Father. We've made it. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would, would, would speak to each of our hearts. Father, that you would move us in new ways. In fact, Father, we would, we would be challenged about the things that we've been chasing. And Father, you would help us to focus our direction and our attention on the things that truly matter. Things like your kingdom and your will. So Father, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have a Bible or device, you can start finding John chapter 3. We're going to be there. Before we get there... I, uh, I have to admit something. When, uh, when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 1995, my, my hope was to be a professional musician. My buddy and I, that we moved out there, he and I both had, had already had a record deal with Word Records. Nashville had become a hub. I know most people think Nashville country music. In the mid-90s, it was all about Garth Brooks. Everybody was all about Garth Brooks back in the day. But Christian music had kind of moved. It used to be in L.A., and then in the 80s and 90s, it moved to, to Nashville. 
And, and it was there that a lot of people were, were, were getting careers kicked off. And so my, my buddy and I, we, we moved out there. And, and, and yes, I wanted a career in Christian music. They called it CCM at the time, Contemporary Christian Music. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to, to, to use my talents for the Lord. But I have to admit, part of me kind of wanted to be known. If I'm truthful. Part of me wanted people to know my name. And I'm just admitting that to you. This is like, you're helping me, right? This is a confession moment. I, I kind of wanted to be known. I mean, this is before YouTube and all that jazz, okay? This is back in the day when we had to actually you know, hit the streets and, and things didn't go viral like they are. It's weird how viral is a good thing now. But anyway, but back in the day, you, you worked hard. You played everywhere. We played a lot of shows for free. And I, I, I did want to serve the Lord with music, but part of me wanted to be famous, respected, known, maybe admired. And I realized that wasn't the right motives, okay? I get that. But I kind of wanted to be, be known. And I, I, don't, I don't think I'm alone in this. I don't think I'm the only one. And, and you're out there, you might be thinking, well, Ben, that's not me. I'm not a you know, person on the stage or whatever. But look, there's part of us that does want that respect, right? I mean, is that a bad thing? Some of us, we want, we want, we known. We want people to, 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 to respect us, right? We want that at work and at home. And we want to be a respectable person. So there's part of us, even if we don't struggle with the big thing, like standing on stage in Nashville, but you might have a little bit of a micro-fame thing. Let, let me put it a different way. When you just can't say no when people ask you to do stuff because you don't want to disappoint them. So there's a little bit of you that wants to try to be a people pleaser all the time. Hey, I'm looking around this room. There might be some people pleasers in here. We just can't say no. We've got to say yes to everything. So we end up being overcommitted, but we don't want to let anybody down. So we might have a, a micro-fame issue. What about, uh, God forbid it, this not be you, but when you do a good deed, yeah, you do something nice, part of you kind of wants to be recognized for that, right? Come on. Am I the only one? Sometimes you do something nice, your neighbor, and you're like, well, man, who mowed your lawn? You've never done that? There's part of us that has a, at least a microfame issue, that we, we, we do want to be recognized. And it's not that that's such a bad thing, but do you realize that now we are in a, in a time in the world where people are able to have these social media accounts, and there's actually a job called influencer. Anybody heard this job before? An influencer. So whether that be in the social media, and certainly sometimes these are attractive people. You know, they won the lottery, okay? They're attractive people. And then they're selling their product. And it's almost like your attention has become the new product. If they can just grab your attention for a while, then marketers got you. But an influencer is an actual job. It's an actual job. So today, we are talking about the carrot of fame. Whether that be... Capital F fame or little f, micro fame, we all have to struggle a little bit with making much of ourselves, And that's what we're going to be addressing today. And, it, and maybe, maybe you're still, even after all I've said, maybe you're still sitting there thinking, well, I'm above all that, Ben. I, uh, I'm a very humble person. I, don't, uh, ever, I would never do something like that. I get it. Okay, so you're perfect, and I'm not. But here's the deal. The Business Insider is a magazine. Uh, a couple years ago, Business Insider ran a little poll of kids 8 to 12, ages 8 to 12. This is back in 2019, okay? They ran a poll, and they were asking kids about career and aspirations and all those good things. And what they found is interesting. I'll read it. 
Kids today are much more likely to want to aspire to be the next YouTube star than to be the next person in space. Like, YouTube stardom here, walking on the moon here. This is where we've come. That young people would rather get, they'd rather be an influencer. They'd rather be a YouTube star than be an astronaut. When I was a kid, that was like the, the, the thing, you know. They walked on the moon before I was born, but the thing is, that was like a big deal. And now kids are more interested in having influence and being a YouTuber. And it's, it's, it's really, really crazy. In fact, the United States and the UK rank top on that. For some reason, Western culture has gotten fixated on me, 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 promoting me, being, hey, I want you to follow, we, we, were, we were kidding earlier today that, that I, I don't have a great brand going on right here, I realize that, but now people talk about this, you'll hear young people talk about, you know, their, their, their followers, uh, and I got to protect my brand, have you heard people talk like this? I gotta protect my brand and I wanna have this image out there. This is consuming culture right now. Fame is a monster. And it's like capturing the hearts of a lot of young people. So much so that they would rather have a YouTube influence than walk on the moon. I can't get over this, okay? I'm gonna keep saying this. That they want to, rather than walk on the moon. I don't understand. And the thing is, it's not like, look, is, is fame bad? Is it bad? Is fame and influence bad, really? I don't think so, because you find that in the Bible, right? I mean, you have David. Let's talk about King David. Right Before he was king, he was just a, a boy with a slingshot. And, and he showed up to the battle with his brothers, bringing them some food or whatever from home, and finds out that this big giant is making fun of you know, the, 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 the army of God. And so David doesn't like start his you know, Facebook account. He, he gets some stones. And he goes and takes care of this thing because he had faith in God, that God was bigger than this Goliath, right? And, and later he became known for, for this, things like that, but he didn't seek out being super famous. It's just he, he led and trusted God and things, things worked out. Now, he, he didn't have a perfect life. We know that. He had some issues, but he didn't aim for the fame, right? He was aiming to please God. And what about his son? Okay, let's talk about Solomon. Unlikely guy. He should not have been king, actually. You know what I mean? He's like, wasn't even close to the firstborn. And God makes Solomon his son king. And Solomon, at a crucial point in his life, he, he, he's now going to be the king. He's a big wig, right? And he's offered this opportunity to ask God for what he, what he wants. And instead of asking for, come on, instead of asking for you know, big following on Twitter, uh, instead of asking for the big house on the hill, he asked God for what? Wisdom. And then he did get famous, right? I mean, people were coming to, to him from all over the ancient world asking about plants and stuff like that. He, he gained that kind of notoriety and fame, but that wasn't what he sought. So back to our question, right? Is fame wrong? No, fame isn't wrong or evil, but unfortunately for some, fame becomes this monster that people chase, and it's all about me and myself and my brand. And what happens is you get consumed with yourself instead of being consumed with how great God is. See, that's where fame can start to turn a corner. And, and, and look, current fame is weird. But can we just say that? People can do dumb stuff and they get famous. Videos will go for millions of hits. You know, I'm a musician. 
Several years ago, there was a song that went like crazy viral, like 8 million some downloads or something of where, uh, what does the fox say? You heard this song? What does the fox say? Come on. I'm a musician. That hurt my heart because I worked hard to write songs. And all I had to do was talk about a fox. What does a fox say? And I could have had millions of views. You know, that it's not fair. Fame right now is weird. You can do something stupid. You can do a dumb little dance and it takes off, right? Am I, am I right? You've seen, people have sent you these videos. I know they have. They have sent you these videos and you look at the count of how many people have watched them. You can be famous for doing nothing. You can have no talent and like, you know, hit yourself and be on YouTube. It's this craziest time that we're living in. Attention, again, has become this new product. We got to have attention. If I get your attention, even if it's something stupid, then I got you. This is where we're at in the world. It's crazy. You could be famous for posting stupid stuff. It's crazy. Attention, though, and fame, these things can crush you. In fact, there's even been some pretty high-level high YouTube stars that have fallen from grace because of something they've said or something they've, they've done or they've, they've been canceled. And, and these YouTubers, uh, they lose like their whole livelihood because people are making money at some of this. Some people are making money. And then they lose it all. And they realize that aiming for that has left them empty. Well, who in Scripture, besides David and Solomon, who in Scripture is a great example of someone who handled fame well? Well, I'm glad you asked. There is someone that I think handled fame really well. So if you have your Bible, you probably already figured it out. If you're in, in John chapter 3, you can go there. But I want to talk about JTB. You don't know who I'm talking about? His name's John, last name Baptist, middle name The. So uh, dad joke right there. JTB, he handled, I think, the fame monster well. Now, who, who was John the Baptist? Who was this character? Kind of an interesting guy. We don't know a ton about him, actually. We know some about him. He, uh, he, was, he was related to Jesus, so that's a good thing. Uh, you know, if you're related to Jesus, I think that's a, that's a good thing. He, uh, he, he liked to hang out in the wilderness, uh, and he ate weird stuff like bugs, and he wore interesting clothes. That's some of the stuff that we know about John the Baptist. I'm sure that he would, would have preferred that we would remember him in different ways than I just did. But JTB, he was this crazy prophet, but his role was to sort of prepare the way for Jesus. Kind of like, uh, uh, you know, like in, in the Navy, they used to have these, these, uh, these guys called Seabees or whatever, and they'd be out there and they would prepare the way for the, for, you know, make roads and things like that before the, the full army came in so they would have a clear path to get to a conflict or whatever. And so John was kind of this guy preparing the way for, for Jesus. And we learn the story in Luke 1, and we get a little bit more of the transition between John the Baptist and Jesus in Luke chapter 3. But here's some things we know. He was born six months before Jesus, cousin, and he was born. It's interesting. John's birth was divine intervention because Scripture tells us that John's parents, a priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they were, well, uh, they, they were advanced. They were, uh, what does it say, well-advanced in years. You know what we say that now? They're old. Okay? They're they old. Scripture's very nice. You know, she has a nice personality. You've heard that before. Well advanced, that means old. The Bible doesn't want to say that. The Bible's nice. They were old. And, uh, and so they, they have this divine intervention where, where Zachariah, he's doing his job. He's just at work. Happens to be a priest. So he's going to work that day. He's got his fanny pack full of 
incense that he's burning for that day. And back in the day, they would burn incense in the temple. It was kind of this idea of, of a, sort of the incense flowing upward, kind of like prayer would. So it was kind of this metaphor, too, but the incense was burning, and so it was a special task. Zachariah's in there doing his thing, and, and God kind of steps in and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to have this child, and, and Zachariah's probably, wow, I'm, I'm pretty old. This feels a little bit like Abraham. Isn't that interesting? There's a little parallel to another old couple in the Bible, Abraham and Sarah, right? They were well advanced in age. <laughs> And God did something powerful there. Well, here's a similar situation. Now you got John the Baptist uh, is, is being foretold by the angel that you're going to have this kid, uh, even though you're old, okay, uh, well advanced in age, you're going to have this child, and you're going to name him John, and he's going to be a fulfillment of the last book in the Old Testament. Anybody know what it is? Malachi. It was right on the tip of your tongue. Malachi. In Malachi 3 and 4, the prophet is saying that there will be this, this preparer of the way. And, uh, and he's going to be like Elijah. He's going to come and kind of be kind of that interesting guy, hang out in the wilderness a lot. And here we got John the Baptist, kind of an interesting guy, hangs out in the wilderness a lot. And there's this, this, this moment where we get this connection to the Old Testament. And so, so John shows up, and his ministry happens, and, and he's preparing the way for the Lord to make straight the paths for him. And then, and then Jesus shows up. And there's this interesting moment with, with John the Baptist. Who, by the way, again, we're talking about fame, right? People were coming out to John in droves. He was a pretty famous guy. People were coming out to him. They wanted to, they wanted to, to, to hear him. And he was talking about repentance and, and uh, pointing to God and repenting of your sin. And so he, he had quite a following. People were coming out, even, even like famous people. People that were in leadership were coming out to him. This crazy guy hanging out in the water. And they would come and he would baptize them. And then one day Jesus shows up. And John sort of pushes back. Because he realizes, oh, here's the Messiah now. Here's the real deal. Now, I've just been preparing the way, but now Jesus shows up, and he doesn't even want to really have, have much to do with Jesus because he realized, wow, you're, you're way more important than I am. But Jesus says, I want you to baptize me, uh, fulfill all righteousness. And then this amazing thing happens, like the heavens open and a dove comes down. I, I don't know who all was there and watched this, but this, this wonderful thing happens. God kind of shows his favor in a very physical way uh, there in the water. And then Jesus, then his ministry kicks off. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, but, but John handled it so well. He went from having a following and all these people to transitioning to Jesus. And if you have your Bible, I want to pick up in John chapter 3, verse 25. John 3, 25. Now, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, uh, he who was with you across the Jordan. Didn't even know Jesus' name at that point. He who was with you over there at the Jordan the other day, right? That's what they're saying. Uh, to whom you bore witness. Look, uh, he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Uh, you yourselves bear witness, uh, uh, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who, who, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. Now that's how you handle the fame monster. 
He must increase and I must decrease. And I'm sure it was probably pretty tough. I mean, Jesus, you know, he's, he's now starting his ministry. And John, who had all this following, all these people were coming out to him. Everybody knew John's name. They thought he might be the Messiah. They thought maybe he was the guy that was going to kick out Rome. And we're going to have a resurgence and, and back to Jerusalem. We're all, we're all going to, our nation's going to come back. They thought it might be John the Baptist. And John said, no, I'm not the Christ. And he points to Jesus in this transitionary moment. And so the disciples were, yeah, kind of wondering, do we, do we side with John the Baptist? Do we go with Jesus now? And John the Baptist seals that deal and says, he must increase, follow him. He must increase and I must decrease. And we know that shortly after, John the Baptist didn't survive. He, one of the kings there had a bone to pick with him. And he said, you know, you shouldn't be doing wrong stuff. And the king didn't like that. And John the Baptist ended up losing his life. But he really wanted to showcase Jesus. And that's something that we got to talk about. He wanted to showcase Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be famous, not himself. John, look, he could have he had a different decision. He could have been like, well, we're not sure if this is really the Messiah. So maybe, maybe I am the guy. I mean, these people are coming after me. They're not coming after you know, Jesus. He, he could have made some different decisions. But he chose humility faith in God, and he said Jesus is the one. He had the opportunity probably to start guarding his fame, and he decides through humility to give it away. Look, we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. John the Baptist, we're still talking about this guy this far from the time he lived because he chose humility over fame. Look, the deceiver, Satan, culture, whatever, but there's all kinds of voices out there wanting to get you to promote you, wanting you to be really big, wanting you to have all the accolades. All kinds of voices want us to promote ourselves and promote, promote, promote. Me, 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 me. The fame monster is, is, is calling out for us. And we, if we take John's example, we, we lift up Jesus. So I want to talk about two motives today. Two motives that I think are good questions to really wrestle with. And the first one's this. Who are you representing? Who are you representing? Who are you an ambassador for? Is it you? Are are you just representing you? Or, Or actually, in fact, if you said yes to Jesus, you know that Scripture tells us we're his ambassador to the world. Now, what's an ambassador? What does an ambassador do? represents a nation while they're in another nation, you know, kind of promoting that nation, if you will. Ambassadors, we send them all over. And the ambassador is kind of like that high-ranking person from another country to promote the country they're from. And we're called to be Christ's ambassadors to the world. In fact, we're told in Scripture that we're, we're kind of making his case everywhere we go. We're making the case for Jesus. We're pointing people to Jesus. And that sounds very different than chasing a fame monster that carrot that will never satisfy. So who are you representing? Are you representing Jesus? Would people know that about you? Would people know right now in your life, if I were to go poll all the people around you and say, are they, are they doing a good job representing Jesus? What would they say? And maybe you're like, Ugh, I don't know if I want, I want you to do that, Ben. I won't, okay? But are you representing Jesus? Who are you representing? That's the first question. The second one is this, whose approval matters most to you? Whose approval matters most? Are, are you 
kind of living for the approval of others? Are you kind of living life hoping that you know, people like you? You know, you could try very hard. Someone's still not going to like you. It's just, that's just the way it is. Some people, they'll look at you and they won't like you. That's just the way it is. I don't know. People are fickle that way. Who are you looking for approval from? We just did a whole series about this called Identity. We kicked it off on Easter. Some of you are here for that. You know who you are? You are loved. You are chosen. You are special. You're created in God's image. The only approval that matters is His. And yet many times we are tempted to seek the approval of other people. And it's not like, uh, uh, I mean, look, I realize you want to do a good job at work, okay? You want, to, you want to do good. You want to be respected for that. And that's not a bad thing. But when all we're doing is living for the approval of others, it, it, it leaves us empty. Because we'll never quite measure up. And the only opinion that matters is God's opinion of you. And you are so special to him. Whose approval are you living for? Well, and maybe you need to, to, to write that question down and pray about that this week. I mean, are you, are you angling for more likes and to be known and, and to have a, a, you know, more validation and approval? Are you looking for that? So, two questions for us, right? Who are you representing? And whose approval matters most to you? See, following Jesus is always about him, not you. Do you know that the Bible is not particularly about you? Not really about me. We're not the star in the story. God's love from cover to cover is the star of the story. God loves us even though humanity tries desperately to come up with ways to handle life without him. Bible is full of God's love for you. That's the important thing. When you're following Jesus, we are, we, we're, we're, we're lifting him up. You know, we're not called to be famous. We're called to be faithful. Let's say that again. We're called not to be famous. We're called to be faithful. At the end of the day, when we meet Jesus face to face, some of you and I are closer to that than others, but when we meet Jesus face to face, he's not going to look at you and me and say, well done, my good and famous servant. What's he going to say? My good and faithful servant. We are not called to be famous. We're called to be faithful. That's what really, really matters. And look, the world, the world may never know your name. The world may never know my name. They may not remember me in my short-lived music career in Nashville. The world may never know your name, but we do know a name that is above every name. And that His name Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Jesus Christ is that name above all names. And you know what? He loves you and he knows your name. He even knows the number of hairs on your head. That's how much he cares about you. We know a name above all names. And we're going to lift him up. And that's the challenge, is to lift him up. Psalm 115, verse 1 says this, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. We're going to draw attention to him not us. That's how we defeat this chasing carrot of fame. We reject it by lifting up the name of Jesus. He must, what's the scripture say? He must increase. You and I, we decrease. He must increase. And so my only point today, make Jesus famous.
Make Him the famous one. Point people to Him. He's way more interesting anyway. Point people to Jesus. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you could do that today too. May I never let a Sunday go by without saying, look, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said, yes, I want Him as my Savior, we can help you do that today. Take a next step. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this task that you've given to us to to, to make your name famous in the world. Father, you love your your people so much. You love humanity more than they can even possibly imagine. Help us to, to promote you, to put you first, to make you famous. Father, in our circles of influence, may you get all the glory. Father, help each of us to, 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 to elevate you and, and, and to, to humbly put ourselves second. And Father, may we, may we honor you this week as we do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.